Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep, never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the Olympic trials in Eugene at the end of June. And in today's episode, we have Kira D'Amato, who's going to be catching us up on what's been going on with her over the past few weeks. Before we do that, our presenting sponsor, Koros. Man, I'll tell you what, I love this watch company so much and some other really good runners do as well. Scrolling through Instagram today, Grace Murphy, boom, Wearing a Koros watch in the Koros ad. She's going to be at the Sound Running Meet in a few weeks. She rocks Koros, right? We've got Des Linden, who just set the 50K world record. She wore Koros at her attempt. If you don't trust me and my watch brand, you can trust these athletes and so many more. These are people who not only... Are they sponsored by this company? So, of course, they love it. And, of course, they want to rep it. But they can be sponsored by any company. But they trust Koros, and you should, too. I particularly love two features. First of all, my Koros watch has to be uh, charged once every four weeks. That's right, once a month. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely fantastic. I hate charging my watches, so that's a great feature for me. In addition to that, you also get the fact that it works on the track. We're talking about track athletes this whole podcast. This whole season's about track. If you want to use a GPS watch on the track, you got to get a Coros because they have a specific feature for the track and it works perfectly to the point where you can actually indicate in the watch what lane you're in because that matters in terms of distance and they calibrate it all the way to that degree. So go to Coros.com. That's C-O- ros.com today and use code trials to get a free swag bag at checkout. So let's get into it with Kiera D'Amato. All right, Kiera, welcome back to the show. Hey, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, it's in the house. How you doing? We're looking at you live here. We got a little little mini audience here during the day, um, which is fun. Got some people who are potentially going to answer some questions in the chat box later. If not, it's just kind of fun to um, to have these people along. So I'm excited to chat with you. I'm Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in this podcast. <laughs> I got your name on the panel here. It's K Diggity, no doubt, um, which I love. I love the the old school hip hop references that are in your game. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much of a game, but I will, I'll do what I can. I do want to do one disclaimer to people in the chat room. I am an open book, but I will not answer spelling questions. So if people are putting spelling bee questions into the chat, I am not even going to take a stab at it. I guess actually, here's the thing. If they do put something into the chat, a spelling one, I'll know how it's spelled because they'll ask me to spell it. Right. But I'm going to say that's the only thing you can't ask me. Well, I guess if it's a multiple choice question, then you're going to be, especially if it's like, yeah, no, and out. none of the above, <laughs> which is always I'm like, a, ooh, no spelling ooh. questions, math. I'm okay with no spelling, but, um, other than that, I'm an open book. I love that. This is, this is a great reference to a podcast that you did with Allie Feller, like a year and a half ago where you brought up your, your spelling, your spelling, your, your spelling issues, um, in a very open and honest way. And then I think Allie was like, I might tell you offline the word that I couldn't spell, but she left like everyone hanging, which was so funny. Um, cause Allie's also an open book. She made me promise not to tell. And then she told me 
And I already forgot or else I would probably have spilled her, spilled her secret. But she, she was like, I'll tell you offline. I'm like, if you want to keep it a secret, you don't tell me anything. So unless you're okay with the world knowing, but I guess it's okay because I have a terrible memory. So I've already forgot her word. It was a tough word though. I do remember it was really tough being like, I can't even spell that now. And you were asked to spell that in fourth grade. I can't remember if she told me or if she said it on a show. Because now, like, my whole life is, like, done via audio. So, like, I'm like, was that a phone call or was that a podcast that I do with her once a month? So now I'm like, do I say it? I don't know. Like, I feel like I could say it. But then part of me is like, wait, I might have been told to me in confidence. I can't remember. I can't. I basically can't distinguish between the two anymore. I know. Yeah, me too. I also have some dreams that are like creepily real. And sometimes I can't even tell the difference of like dreams in real life. Sometimes I feel like this last year has just been like a chaotic blur. But are your dreams usually like an amplification in a positive way of what's going on in your life, a negative way or just weirder? Um, A little. I'm going to say all of the above. D. All all of the above. It's uh, yeah. It's kind of. It's weird though, because sometimes in my dreams, I know I'm dreaming and I can control it. What's that called? Like uh, I I don't even know. I think lucid dreaming. Yes, that's what it is. So I can control it, and I know it's a dream, and I'm like, well, this is a dream. None of this matters. I'm going to go all in on like red. You know. There you go. So you're you you gamble in your dreams, or is that like a metaphorical going in going all in on red? Uh, like a, a metaphorical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I still know myself and I follow all the same rules that I would have in life. But I know that I'm dreaming. So if I'm in trouble, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm just going to fly away because I can do that right now and be like, peace out. I'm flying. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. I wonder your kids will have that same have like the same thing going on. But like they're like, wait, am I dreaming or or is this real? And they're going to be sprinting around the house. And all of a sudden your husband will tackle one of them. They're like, wait, still don't know. <laughs> Still don't know. <laughs> this could go either way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was great. I think your the 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 D'Amato family. I, I'm forgetting the exact name of it, but you have like these like competitions of various items, whether it's apples, snacks, so on and so forth. They get very involved. I feel like these these are like they you know, whether it's comedically or just drama <laughs> or just like. These are like 36-hour affairs. They feel like they're very – they take up a lot of time, it seems like. Yeah, they do. We all get really into it, too. I think we're all, like, competitive in our own different ways. But, yeah, they usually have to be spread across, like, days or, like, throughout a week just because they take so long. And everyone has their own method to how they judge. And I'm not going to tell any you know anyone how which way to – how to judge whatever they're judging. But – so some methods take a little bit longer than others. So, you know, we kind of just roll with it, but it's fun, you know? <laughs> I love that. What what are, what are some, some, we haven't even talked about running yet. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> what are some of the other competitions in the hopper that you're, you're waiting to break out? So I'm still, I'm not quite sure what the next one's going to be. Like, I felt like when I knew it was apples, like, when I know it, it hits me. But I will say I was very proud of my son this weekend. I was out of town for a baby shower. And my son and my mother-in-law sent me a video that she had bought him three different types of Gatorade and asked him which one he wanted. And he said, well, obviously, I should probably try all of them to tell you which one's the best. So they had their own <laughs> little mini version. But I love that now my family is going to go through this in life. Like, you know, what, what do you want for lunch? Well, you know what? Why don't I try all of them so I can be sure which one I like, like the most? But yeah, I'm not sure. Do you have any ideas for me? 
or anybody in the chat, if you have an idea, let me know. <laughs> the D'Amato family will never make a quick decision again. <laughs> right? It'll be like 10 years from now. You're, you know, you're... <laughs> Your kids will be like, I'm not sure who to take to prom. We need to have 10 mini proms where I can take them to a mini prom. And then I can then say, hey, OK, you, you can you can be my guest to the junior prom. Yeah, my kids are going to need a lot of therapy or they just have a dance off. For in that situation, I feel like you could just invite everyone potential suitors and have a dance off and then see uh, depending on style of dance. Like when I, when I dance, like I like to have a little radius. I need my space. Cause I got moves that like really spread out and can get kind of dangerous. So I like to have my, are little, you, are like, you a spinner? Is that, is that what's going on? Or? Oh, I do a little bit of everything, <laughs> but I need like, I need a lot of room for, uh, for that. And I hope my kids, uh, I hope that's genetic. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Do, do you know Shea Serrano? Who writes no. for The Ringer and he does all this stuff. All right, so he's big. He's big into basketball. He's written a lot of books. Um, and uh, and he's he's he put up this funny meme today. He's like, some people ask me why I can't just work at home and why I need to go rent an office. And this is a picture of his son dressed up as Spider Man, like doing like, these pop and locks moves, like in his <laughs> in his TV room. And he's like, this is why I have to rent an office and not live not work from my home. That's exactly why. That's so funny. That's so funny. Oh, Bridget Chamberlain's popped into the um into the chat. She's awesome. Uh Bridget, you might people might know Bridget Chamberlain's name from uh the frequent um pop-ups that she's had on Ask Alley on Alley on the Run show. Bridget is a, a a consistent contributor over there as well at saying that she's still um she's still saying that Pop-Tarts would be a, a great idea. I really like the Pop-Tarts. I really, really like the Pop-Tarts. I think my kids want to do ice cream. That's what I think they're rooting for. But I just feel like we haven't quite landed on the right one. I'm going to go no. I'm going to go anti-food here. Not not anti-food. I'm going to go off the food move. I'm thinking that you could basically come up with like, what's the best pump up song for your playlist competition? Get like 16 of your favorite songs. And then you can basically see like the kids reaction to when you play them. And then it can That's be a really scale good. of activity on like the one to 10 scale, like how, how into it they get. I'm writing this down. I'm writing this down. Pump up song. Um, what would be your like pump up song if you came out like, like major league baseball or WWE, what would be your walkout song? Right. Yeah. So people who don't know in baseball, everybody who comes up to bat, they play like a 10 to 15 second clip of their like walkout song. If they're, if they're at home. Right. If they're on the road, they might not get that kind of treatment, but at home, they'll get like a cool little walkout song. So actually what I'm doing right now is I'm going to my liked songs tab in Spotify. I got a couple that I really like, um, especially for like the beginning of a song, which is like great for like the walk up. Um, I like um, Power from Kanye West. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um Oh, there's a great Method Man. Uh, oh, Symphony 2000 by EPMD is mm-hmm. one I really like. Um, Simon Says by Feral Monch. I've never heard of that one. I'm a big fan of that one. I have a Method Man one that I really like. I'm trying to figure out where it is. Like, I know the song. You just want to see you know the songs, but you don't know the title of the song. If it's like off, like if it's not like the chorus. Yeah. You're like, wait, what's the name of that song? I have no idea. Um, anyway. I'm not going to make you sit here and wait for it. Oh, Super Thug by Nori is good. Oh, okay. That's going back a little bit. That's kind of like our time. 
You seem much cooler than me. This is back when you were like at American. You're in D.C. You're clubbing it in Georgetown. Listen to Nori. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the club. Man. So how are you feeling? Last time we talked, it seemed like you were on. You were getting there. You were on the mend. You were racing random high schoolers who were coming off of serious <laughs> hangovers. Like stuff seemed to be coming around for you. Things are coming around. I still, I'm still kind of like in a, like a base training mode, just trying to kind of build up. I want to get like one more solid cycle before we go and race. So I might not be racing till the end of May, beginning of June. Um, but things are going well. I'm feeling really fit. I am getting real excited for the trials. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm coming off a loss, though, which I'm like a little hurt about. But that um, the Great American 5000 Challenge where my husband and 23 of his slugs and then my team of studs versus Danny Doherty's team of the 503 train, we had a race across America. And somehow the slugs pulled out a victory. They really slugged their way and they beat us in the last like couple hours. So that, that stung a little bit. I'm trying to recover that one. That one hurt a little bit, but, uh, but I'm recovering. I'm doing, I'm doing good. I heard that uh, your son, your son, I heard that your husband has now secured a book deal as basically a, you know, a, like a, a, a step two of the tortoise and the hare. <laughs> that, that basically the 21st century version of that story, just to kind of, you know, not only to cement this in history, but also just for all the kids out there who are, you know, wondering where their place is in the running world. He would 100% be all, all in for that. And he would write a huge book out of that. He's someone that can just talk and talk and talk. So I bet he could fill up a chapter book full of tactics that the slugs used against the studs. But yeah, well, that one stings, you know, I mean, at least we were second and not last like uh, like Danny's team. But uh, that uh, that hurts a little bit. Looking back on it as the team captain, is, is this is, are you going to throw blame at some of your at some of your your colleagues and teammates? Or is it just uh, just saying all positive things about your husband and team slugs? Uh, yeah, if anyone, it was my fault. So I feel like the, you know, the captain needs to go down with the ship. <laughs> so I'm going to say I was the weak link. Um, I had a couple days off there in the middle of that challenge, which do not lead for getting highest mileage. Um, but yeah, everyone did awesome except for me on the team. So I will, I will go down with the ship, but the slugs just really brought it too. So, but yeah, my team was awesome. They like really got into it. So were there stakes involved in this competition? Luckily not. So last year we made like a tattoo deal or, but that never actually came to fruition. But yeah, this year we didn't really bet anything on it. But um, Ben Bruce, he was actually on the 503 train with Danny Doherty. And that was like, that felt like a low blow because they were saying, you know, he paced her through to, you know, 222. And now he's going against her, like pacer, like friend or foe. And so we beat them. But I think Ben Bruce wants to have a milk chugging, chugging contest against my husband now so i think in the next like week or so there may be a chug challenge is that the gallon of milk challenge <laughs> we're gonna do a new version i had like a lot of almond milk in my fridge and um we went all in with like the costco where you get them in like a dozen it turns out my kids don't like that so we had like 12 things of almond milk so i put somewhere on social media like we have way too much almond milk who can help us drink it? And Brent Bruce is like, I'm the chugging camp. Send some to me. So I send him some almond milk in the mail um, across <laughs> the country. 
<laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I'd actually drink this now. That, but I kind of wanted to see if milk could actually make it across the country. And it did. So now he has this milk. And I think my husband and him are going to have a chugging challenge. So that's what's, <laughs> that's what's going on. <laughs> Is this going to be how much milk are we chugging here? I guess I, I ask because I have experience in this. It didn't go great. Um, but yeah, so I, I have a personal stake in knowing how much they're going to be potentially uh, throwing down. Yeah, it's not quite a gallon. I think it's only like 32 to 42 ounces. So it's like one of those square boxes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not quite a gallon and it's not like full milk. So I think that this actually may be not as gross as the milk challenge. How far did you get? Did you drink the whole gallon? So this was in college. I think it was sophomore, so, freshman or sophomore year of college. And I think I was seven beers deep at the time. And I'm like, oh. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So, um, yeah, we got a gallon of 2%, which is, I was like, I was so drunk overconfident. I'm like, whole milk, I don't care. Um, so they were like 2%. So um, I, got, I got just over three quarters of the way. That's impressive. Yeah. Then I started shaking, like, like pretty noticeably, um, full body shakes. And then, um, and then it came out. Yeah, yeah. It came out the way it went in, I should say. Um, <laughs> oh, and uh, so it was it wasn't great. It wasn't the worst experience. Um, but no, I did I didn't get there. I was I wasn't prepped accordingly, but I also don't think I would have done it if I was had, in the right state of mind. Yeah, if I had tapered into the challenge. Yeah. Well, we'll see how this goes. We have to find a day, maybe this weekend, maybe on Mother's Day. That could be a, a Mother's Day gift. A, tr- a treat for, a treat for mothers everywhere. <laughs> what every mother wanted. Oh, man. So that will be interesting. So that will that will be a whole new round to decide uh, to victors of a new sort of competition, I guess. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So how do you... Um, how do you figure out like how much time you need to get back into a race setting um, versus, you know, just continue to train? Like when you get to the point, and I think I, I'm trying to remember who I asked this of, I think it was Tyler. I asked this question of like, where, where does he like to come back in the cycle? Does he like to be 100% back in or is it more like, Hey, I'm good enough. I just want the race experience now. Where do you like to come back in? I think it's different for every season. Um, and coming off of that, like Texas Relay, I took a little downtime off of that. So now we're kind of ramping back up. So we've been real conservative with that to make sure that I'll be ready at the right time. Um, so it, it, I, you know, I feel like it's not science. It's more kind of just how, how it's all going. Um, and we kind of just want one more like solid training cycle before traveling and just you know, putting myself out there like that, and especially with a little setback in um, February, March. So, um, yeah, we just want to make sure we have a solid base. We still feel like we have a lot of time. And um, yeah, it's kind of like, I feel like, you know, when, when you see it, when things are clicking and everything's, uh, things are going right. That's when, you know, you can get a little aggressive and start racing a little more. Now with all the COVID protocols, um, is there, has it changed the amount of like spontaneity that you can bring to the table in regards to entering a race? Um, not really. Um, I feel like in the fall, like one of the beauties of my fall was that I really didn't have a solid race plan. I just kept saying yes. Like I got into great shape and then I was like, okay, what's available? And I signed up for everything I could at that point. 
So we're kind of looking at this season pretty similar. So I'm going to get into the best shape um, I can, and then we'll look for all the opportunities available when that comes. And luckily, we're seeing a lot of people step up and hosting races. So I think there's a lot more opportunity than we even originally thought. So I'm hoping that when uh, when that time comes, we'll be able to uh, to pivot real quick and get into a, a solid event. No, I bet. I mean, you're looking at potential potential opportunities. Um, what are some of the factors that most you know get you going versus things that maybe you don't care about? Like, for example, like maybe like you can't wait to leave your home because we've been trapped here for a while. Or you may be like, no, 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 I want to stay close to home or like I want to race against the best competition. Or maybe you're like, you know what? No, I want to ease into it. I don't, maybe I don't want to go and face like the 10 fastest women in the 5K, like off right off the bat. I, um, to me, like the conditions is probably most important. It can be a complete stacked race or absolutely alone. And if it's not like ideal racing conditions, you're not going to run fast. And I think I've seen that now with the last two 10Ks I've done on the track, it's just been way too hot to to have a uh, to have a good day so for me it's more about the race conditions and can i run in this ideally it would be a really competitive race i really like being in competitive races and feel like i get really jazzed to have people to compete with and run with um so that would be kind of the second factor for me and then if you know if there were tons of possibilities. I'd stay as close to home as possible. So I could stay in my routine as long as possible. I find I do great sleeping in my bed, you know, even getting woken up in the middle of the night by my kids, like that all is part of my normal routine. So as close to normalcy as possible. And then, um, and then from there, just the closer, the better. I mean, traveling a few different time zones, I mean, it's fine. And I've, I've shown that I can do that, but it's, it's more ideal to stay a little bit closer and in that same routine. So um, but, but at this point too, it's kind of like beggars can't be choosers, you know? So when, when push gets the shove and I'm, I'm ready to race, I'm just going to see, uh, see what's available and, and fill those in. So, so do you feel like at this point you're doing like, like you're reaching like 100% when it comes to like what you want to do, like in a, in a, in a training week, or are you still tapping the brakes every so often? I'm tapping the brakes. I think that my coach and I have seen that it's much better to train right under that red line than it is to to go over it. So we've been a little bit more conservative lately. I think we really pushed the limit the first half of um, the year so far. And we've seen a lot of gains from that. And I've gotten a lot faster and a lot stronger. And um, so now I think we're just want to make sure that we get in the solid training and I'll be ready to go on on race day. All right. So it's not because of injury or anything. It's just more of just a conscious choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had like, we've also taken some time too. And I have like just a little imbalance that we were trying to make sure didn't become a bigger thing. So we've been careful with that also. Um, so I've been doing a lot of strength exercises too, just to make sure that I have the strength to keep building forward. So, um, yeah. That's tough because you you put in a ton of miles. You're so used to running, and then you have like that imbalance. I always wonder how people, especially at your level, in terms of how much work you're doing, can train through that. Because I feel like for me, I almost be like a hypochondriac about it. Like I would just keep like, how am I feeling now? How am I feeling now? How am I doing now? How am I doing now? And it would be it would probably exacerbate the symptoms. How have you dealt with that? There's such a fine line between being paranoid and being aware and addressing everything that comes up 
and then being like too in your head and too paranoid. But I do find that like kind of paranoia about me and I, where I listen to my body so carefully, I think is really helpful because I can avoid kind of bigger things because I am so mindful of how I'm feeling and how my body is. But then you don't want to get so paranoid and in your head that that you start making something out of nothing, right? Um, my coach constantly is just like, don't don't think about it. Like, I'll do all the thinking and you just tell me how, like, you don't need to process it. You just tell me how you're feeling and I'll analyze and figure out what we need to do from there. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's trying not to get in your head and go all uh, neurotic or whatever. But, um, but there is a fine line because you do need to be really careful and need to listen and you do need to quickly be able to filter out what's serious and what's not. Like, is this something, you know, for me, like I just needed to work on some strength a little bit to be able to add more versus we need to like really step back and, and, you know, take some time off or whatever. So it's, it's, uh, it's tough and it's, it's a fine line balancing act, but, um, you know, <laughs> doing the best I can, I guess. So ideally all things considered, is there a certain amount of races you would like to do before the trials? I'm pretty flexible. I, I'm a really laid back person and maybe it's that I'm just so new to the scene, but I don't have a magic formula. So ideally I would like to race once or twice before the trials. Um, and I think that would tune me up really great for the trials, but if the trials ends up being my first race, just because that's how we feel like training is going to be, you know, put us in the most successful position, then I'm okay with that too. So I mean, ideally, I would be I, I tend to do really well kind of racing into shape. So I really like that technique. But I also um, I don't know. I'll, I'll just do whatever. So I kind of just listen to whatever I'm told and do that. But All right. Well, um, good luck with this. One last cycle you got going on before the races uh, start up again. I know we're all excited to see you tow the line again and get back into it. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Kira, thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck moving forward. And big shout out to our presenting sponsor, Koros. Go check them out today. Koros.com, C-O-R-O-S.com. Use code trials at the end to get some free goodies at checkout. Thank you so much for listening. In addition, let me just throw this out there. I was about to say, you know, thanks for listening. See you later. But I forgot to say, Dana Giordano, her episode's coming out shortly. So if you're listening to this, go back into your player and download her episode as well. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution. Cheap. Crushing is deep.